Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. with the walls of Jericho. However he caused those walls to come down is, you know, is a mystery. It could have been an earthquake, but the timing was exact. It had to happen at the right time when they shouted and God just shook the earth and the whole, everything came down. Either way, he gets the glory. And now in this chapter, he uses a hailstorm. And we're going to see that he's also going to cause later on in this chapter the sun and the moon to stand still to give them the time they needed to vanquish their enemies. And another miracle is the fact that this hailstorm came and only the Israelites survived. It almost makes you wonder, doesn't it? Today on Truth in Christ, Scripture says, The Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven. Welcome to today's study. The hailstones that killed the retreating armies of the Canaanites were obviously miraculous. The hail itself could have been a phenomenon of nature, but their aim and timing were evidence of the hand of God. Seeing God's miraculous hand in action gave Joshua the boldness to ask for an even more remarkable miracle, to keep the sun from setting so that Israel had time to accomplish a complete victory before darkness fell. Our God is an awesome God. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's message. The king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, they gathered together, and they went up, they and their armies, and they camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, because remember, the, the children of Israel are still there in the plain of Jordan in, in Gilgal, and they send a, an a ambassadors or a spy or two and say, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. And you know, that is a wonderful thing, if you think of it, certainly for their own good. But if you just spiritualize this for a moment with me, what is the greatest thing that a a believer and an unbeliever should do? It's to go to Joshua. It's to go to Jesus. That's what Jesus' name was. When he was running around uh, that house in Nazareth, there in Galilee of the Gentiles, his parents didn't call him Jesus. They called him Joshua, Jehovah Shua, Joshua, come here. I'm sure they never had to reprimand him because he was always doing what his parents had asked. Verse 7, he says, So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, certainly because of where they were at. Again, if you look at a map, you know that they were in the plain of Jordan. Anywhere you go, as they were going, east, or as they were going west, there's a mountain range there, and you've got to climb those hills. So they were ascending. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. 
And there's a, um, th- th- there have been some who have claimed that there was actually more than one Gilgal to somehow make it more plausible that they didn't have to travel as far, but there's really no proof of that. In fact, there's a, a good Bible interpretation rule, and that is if the first sense makes sense, don't look for any other sense. If the first sense makes sense, don't try to look for any other sense because God is not about to, um, he's not interested in confusing us. If he said it was a different Gilgal, he would have made mention of it. But in verse 8 it says, The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And notice the promise here in verse 8. And, you know, when the Lord gives encouragement like this and a promise, what greater resource do you need? If God is the one who is speaking and, and, and telling you what's coming and the strength and, and what he's going to provide for you, there's really no need for us to fear, although we do fear. And God knows that we are dust. He knows that we are going to fear, and that's why he mentions it. Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. And you see where God's promises, there is the enablement. Where God guides, you've heard it before, God provides. And what God pays for, or what God orders, he pays for. He's going to make sure that he takes care of his people. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And this is certainly something that Joshua was learning and is going to continue to learn. But as he followed and as he was obedient, he saw his God working powerfully on his and the children of Israel's behalf. He says, do not fear them, for I have delivered them. And this ought to ring a bell for Joshua because uh, there were other times that God had spoken this to him. In Romans 10, verse 17, it says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of God, and and Joshua is now hearing God speak. And by hearing God speak, it invokes faith. It encourages his faith. And the Bible also says in Romans 14, verse 23, For whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. And it is better to operate on faith rather than presumption. And that is where we have to be careful is when we presume to do something or presume to go forward in something that is not true or that is uncertain. But see, faith is not based on uncertainty. Faith is based on a truth that it's the... What, is it, what does the Bible say? Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. It's, it's, like, it's, it's even better than sometimes evidence because you can't always... If you see it before you, there's no need to have faith for it. But when you, and only God can give this to you. You can have this unction, this feeling, this uh, something that only God gives you that you know it's going to be done. You just, you can't put your finger on why you think it is or whatever, but he gives you the confidence. He gives you the faith to believe that he's going to do whatever it is. And that honors God. In Joshua, verse 9, in our text tonight, it says, Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, came upon the, Gibe- the, Gibe- the Gibeonites and those who had uh, marshaled around the city, those other Amorite kings, and he noticed, having marched all night from Gilgal. So he, he moves in the night, just as he did in Ai. Remember, they attacked Ai on, when it was dark. They had every, all the ambushment in, in order in the darkness. And finally, when they woke up in the morning, they see Joshua down in the valley with a contingent of, of army men. And they come out after them. Same kind of thing. They, they, they catch them by surprise. Because nobody does that. It's not real smart when you're traveling over territory that maybe you've never been over before. 
This is rugged territory, and they, they've been traveling all night. And can you imagine how tired they must have been? So the Lord, verse 10, he routed them out before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gabeon, and he chased them along the road that goes to Beth Horon and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Makedah, Makedah, something. (laughs) But these two towns are basically south and west of Gabeon. And so um, Beth Horon actually is uh, west of Gabeon, and a little bit north, actually, uh, as they go. And, and a couple of those towns, Makeda and Azekah, are more toward the west, southwest. In verse 11, it says, And it happened as they fled, and here's the, the miracle, And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Horon. Again, the, the enemies are fleeing now because they were taken by a surprise, so they're going to continue going east now. And as they go down the descent of Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. And there were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. And can you imagine what a blessing this was for the children of Israel? Remember, they've been marching all night. You know, one of the worst things you can do in battle is to get your army all night, moving them all night, and then fighting a battle immediately on the tippy-toes of that, of that march to get where you need to be. It's better to get there and get rested and then hit them in the, in the morning when everyone is fresh, but not so with the children of Israel. Again, God telling them what to do, and God had a plan that Joshua didn't have a clue about. They didn't know that this hailstorm was going to come. They didn't know that this was going to happen. And notice God's timing And he uses nature in these supernatural acts. He did this with the stopping up of the Jordan River early on when they crossed over. He did this with the walls of Jericho. However he caused those walls to come down is is a mystery. It could have been an earthquake, but the timing was exact. It had to happen at the right time when they shouted and God just shook the earth and everything came down. Either way, he gets the glory. And now in this chapter, he uses a hailstorm. And we're going to see that he's also going to cause later on in this chapter the sun and the moon to stand still to give them the time they needed to vanquish their enemies. And another miracle is the fact that this hailstorm came and only the Israelites survived. It almost makes you wonder, doesn't it, if there were some angels up there getting target practice. (laughs) Sounds kind of funny, but guess what? As they're chasing those men, none of the Israelites die, but can you imagine what's going on in the heavenlies? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Could those angels just been directing those things? God, of course, behind it all, directing it. He knows exactly who the enemy is. Not him, not him, but him. Him, get him, 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 him. And, and the Lord can direct those things. He is a master at his creation. He created it. Believe me, if he can speak everything into existence, I don't have a problem with him directing a hail ball to hit me right on the head or hitting someone else on the head. I'm convinced that even when David went out toward Goliath, remember, and he took those stones, and I, I you know, I'm, I can't wait for this. I get so excited about this. When we're in glory, I'm hoping the Lord just rewinds the tape. Lord, just show us the real. You really want to see it? I really do. Okay, everybody gather around, watch. And David, you know, he gets those smooth stones, and to see David... This young teenager, and he's running, and he's, he's, it just drives me nuts. He's, he's got this thing, and he's slinging it, and he's running after him. I mean, man, that just, every man in the audience just jumps up, yeah! 
this is the kind of this is the kind of thing you want to see on the big screen in in 3D with the with the the subwoofers underneath your chair and you can just feel the earth shake as David just runs in slow motion and he's swinging that thing. I'm convinced that even, the reason I bring this up, by the way, is that if he flung that stone and even if Goliath was over there and the stone went that way, he'd find a way to come back around and hit him in the head. Just like God here with these hailstones, he knows exactly where they're going to go. David probably could have, he probably could have tripped and threw the stone behind him and it would have all the way around the world come back around and hit Goliath in the head. God would have found a way, no matter how he threw that stone. He probably could have just, you know, turned around like this three times and all all dizzy and throws it. Done. But this is interesting, isn't it? It's very interesting. In Jeremiah 23, verse 23, it says this. God speaking, he says, Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places? So I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? Doesn't that just encourage your heart and build up your faith to know that that is the truth? That's who he is. And you can't hide from him. Where can I go from your spirit, the psalmist would say. Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the dawn, it doesn't matter where I'm at. I could be in hell. I could be in the depths of the sea, Lord. You know where I'm at. You know exactly what's happening. You know why it's happening. And supernatural hailstones is something, it's interesting just to think of this as almost like a dry run, if you will, of what's, what's going to happen in the, in the future yet. In Revelation chapter 16, it talks about this latter part of the tribulation period when all of these natural disasters that God is going to uh, make happen, and in the very last bold judgment, the, very, the seventh bold judgment, it says that great hailstones are going to fall from heaven upon men, and each hailstone is going to weigh about 100 pounds. And men at that time are going to blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. And see, I almost wonder, this is just, this is just a dry run. This is almost like the Lord saying, you know, I'm doing this now for the, for the enemies, for my enemies. They're my enemies, and they're your enemies, uh, Joshua. And I'm, even though I know you guys are tired, I'm going to make sure that you got a leg up on this whole thing because I know you're toast and I know you're feeling weak and weary, but I'm going to provide something. I'm going to do something supernatural that's going to help you out and it's going to invigorate you. It's going to make your faith just blossom and grow. I mean, think about that. Have you ever done that? Have you been in a, in a race or maybe you've ridden a bike and you're just, you're really weak, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, um, you get this spurt of energy or something happens and, and, and all of a sudden you're like restored. You're, you, something really wonderful happens and you, you got this instant energy. And God loves to do that. But going on in verse 12, it says, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord. Now notice he's praying. So in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gabeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And I love this, Joshua speaking to the Lord. You know, in James... Chapter 5, verse 16, it says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And here's Joshua just asking God for help. You know, the battle's going really well, but there's, the time is running. You know, he, he knows what, what kind of day it is and how much time he's got in a day, and there's still a lot yet to do. There's still a, yet, a, a lot yet to do. And so he prays and he asks God, Stand still. Be silent is literally what it means. Be silent, sun. Be silent, moon. In Psalm 135, I love what it says here. 
This is written at least 400 years after the event that we're looking at now. But the psalmist says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does, in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. And so there's really nothing too hard for the Lord. There's nothing too hard for him. And it goes on in verse 10 of this psalm, and it says, And he defeated many nations and slew mighty kings. Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, all the kingdoms of Canaan, which we're, we're, we're in the midst of right now as, as they are going through the land and they are uh, cleaning house, so to speak, and taking over these lands. In Jeremiah 33, verse 25, it says this, Thus says the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant. And in other words, as long as there are these ordinances, these, these rules of, of nature and the, the sun and the moon and everything, and it's in its perfect place and it's doing exactly what I want it to do, as long as it's there, I'm not going to go back on my people and I will keep them. And it's a notable miracle that God did here. And there's a lot of scientific information concerning this long day of Joshua. In fact, in other cultures even, in Egypt, in Chinese, and Hindu sources, they have uh, records of this long day. And it only happened once. It only happened once. And you think about it, as you consider what Joshua is going through, in other parts of the earth over in China, there are people over there. And they have a king. And they have rulers over them, and, and other countries too. See, the Bible doesn't make a, 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 a claim of having all of world history. You know, otherwise, the book would be huge. This is a specific book about redemption. It's a plan of redemption. It talks about the beginning, certainly, but it, there's, a, there's a, a purpose behind it. It's, it's, it's getting to who we are, who God is, the great gulf in between, and the great plan of redemption. That's what this is about. That's what this is about. But in other lands, we hear these things happening. Herodotus, who was a great uh, a Greek historian, he tells that the priests of Egypt showed him a record of the long day. So this long day wasn't just something that was known to the Jews. It was known all over the world. Everyone had, had, had uh, taken note of it. The Chinese writings state that there was such a day in the reign of their emperor, Yeo. Y-E-O. That's how you pronounce his name. Yeo. Sounds like the name of a bagel or a, a, a Lego. Let go my ego. His name is Yeo. Maybe that's where we get Oreos. Never mind, I won't go there. So anyway, but he is supposed to have um, been a contemporary of Joshua, and they have a record also of a long day. The Mexicans also have a record that the sun stood still for one entire day in the year, which is supposed to correspond with the exact year in which Joshua was warring in Canaan. Pretty interesting. So in verse 13, so the sun did. It stayed still. And the moon stopped until the people had revenge upon their enemies. Isn't not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for a whole day. For a whole day. And there was no day like it, verse 14, before or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. There's a spiritual principle here, and it is this. God hearkens to the voice of a man who himself has hearkened to the voice of God. God listens to a man who listens to him. And here he did. And it happened once. 
and it was notable all over the globe. Everyone made note of this long day. And how did that really happen? We don't really know. You know, there's a lot. I've read a, a number of things about what these things could possibly be, and I'm not going to bore you with that tonight, although it is very interesting, actually. Some believe that, you know, you certainly couldn't just stop the earth because stopping the earth on its axis and the rotation would cause all kinds of flooding and all kinds of weird things. He could have caused the sun to maybe stop or maybe he slowed it down uh, together. Maybe he slowed the whole thing down because we know that the earth revolves around the sun and maybe he slowed the whole thing down so it wouldn't be such a, a noticeable thing. See, however God did it, it doesn't really matter. The fact that he can move heaven and earth to save his people and to give them the victory, he will. And I love that about the Lord, that no matter what you're going through, he can move heaven and earth and will if necessary. And let me tell you something. <laughs> the other day here, uh, it was Tuesday, I think, there was an accident right out here in Browncroft, and I actually got it on, our cameras got it on video, and the guy came through the intersection, and right here on Blossom Road, there was a car, a white car, and they were sitting there at the light, and there was another car behind them, and here's Browncroft like this, and so these guys get the green light, so they go across. This white car just barely goes across Browncroft, and a car comes flying at a high speed of rate down through thing, going right through the red light, hitting the side of the, of the embankment, flips his car right over on its back, skids all the way down the street, lands in front of Fast Track. And the whole thing is caught on video. And I thought to myself, that person in the white car and the person behind them were talking centimeters. I mean, you look at it and you're like, how did that person not get clobbered? Well, I can tell you why. It wasn't their time. That person in the white car could have been fiddling with his phone and, and looked up and, and, and the, it had already been green for two seconds. And now he decides to go at the precise time that he would have missed this oncoming car. Can God move heaven and earth? Can he use even your, you know, your cell phone going off? You're getting a text message and you happen to look down at what you're not supposed to do, by the way. But you do anyway, but it saves your life. These things happen all the time. So it doesn't surprise me that God can do these things. So it says, verse 15, Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Now we're going to pick up the pace here. It says, verse 16, But these five kings, they'd fled and they hid themselves in the cave at Machida. One of the things about Israel, if you've been to Israel, uh, it is full of caves, especially around the Jordan Plain and the, and the, the, the mountains that are surrounding it. There are caves everywhere for for. A long ways. It's just that whole Jordan Valley on each side, you know, as, as you go through the valley of Jordan, there's mountains on, you know, Mount Gilead over on this side and the, and the, the cliffs and the mountains of, you know, the Judah and Judea foothills. And there's all kind, all the way down to the Dead Sea, all kinds of little crevices and cracks. So many, so many. <laughs> it's really incredible. And so these five kings... You know, they're, they're fleeing. They're running for their lives. These five kings go into a cave. They hide themselves. And it was told Joshua, verse 17, saying, The five kings have been found in the cave at Machedah. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. And do not allow them to enter their cities. For the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. So here they are. Can you imagine the adrenaline? You can almost feel the pulse increasing as they're just, they, they've, 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 they've got the enemy on the run now. They've got these five kings in a cave. They've holed it up with a bunch of rocks. And now, the, you know, they're going after the, the stragglers now. 
And you can imagine just the, 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 the excitement you know, of God making the promise, and Lord, it's coming to pass. I can't believe it. We're out in the, you know, there's so many people. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.